You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today is a episode recorded live in Amsterdam. And our guest today is Dr. Joy Martina. Joy's been on the podcast like hundreds of episodes ago where we talked about, call it psychic abilities, but (laughs) she's actually a psychologist. And she's a psychologist who practices intuition and she just straight up says, I'm a psychic psychologist. And she does sessions globally uh, with clients where she does hypnosis. And today I wanted to go deep into how many psychologists or even psychologists or just healers are actually either highly intuitive or psychic, what the difference is. And we're going to talk about those times you just know. And you'll find that Joy just knows a lot of the time in a way that's pretty weird and good. (laughs) Joy? Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Now, you just hypnotized me. I did. Did you enjoy yourself? I did enjoy myself. Now, is what you did for me typical for what you would do? Yes. Yeah. It was typical in the sense that I always aim to get my clients into the deepest state of relaxation that they possibly can in that moment. Okay. Um, And the reason why I do that is because in that state, their conscious mind is no longer controlling and limiting their ability to actually connect to something that's greater than them. Why, when you had me hypnotized, was I squirming all over the place? Because the moment our body truly relaxes and our mind relaxes, we can actually become aware of all that energy that's flowing through us and is around us at all times. And when we're deeply relaxed, that energy often starts moving so quickly and so effortlessly that it's really bringing balance and a kind of recalibration to the body. And that's where the squirming comes from. Some people like get cramps. And then it'll take a while for that to relax. So, the, you know, the effects of a deep state of relaxation really depend on where that person is in that moment and what they need. It sounds kind of like, in fact, it felt also kind of like what you'd see in a flotation tank. Mm. A, a lot of people, when they start doing a float, will uh, get those cramps. And the magnesium sometimes helps. But you become aware of where you're holding tension. And That's right. So I, I had like a cramp in one of my feet that doesn't normally cramp. And then yeah, I was just noticing energy is probably the right thing to do flowing through. But then you said a bunch of stuff, some of which I probably remember. I don't know if you can make me cluck like a chicken. Can you? I could if you wanted to. But you didn't like install that. No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> and I think that's what you were talking about. You know, there are many different psychologists out there, many hypnotists out there. There's there are many psychics out there. And I think the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I noticed that too. And I noticed the responsibility, but also the danger of that that can happen when we are maybe working with a skilled person but whose integrity or whose, um, I don't know, whose goals are maybe different than ours are. So I think it's really important to have discernment and, and to really choose the person you're going to surrender so deeply to very carefully. All right, so let's assume that uh, someone hasn't booked a session with you. I, you passed my discernment test anyway. Uh, and I've known you for a while, so uh, I don't have an issue there. But um, how would you go about doing that? Okay, I think hypnosis might help me. Mm. Uh, do you, you know, go to Google, which is unreliable for almost anything these days, and just you know, figure out whoever paid the most to Google to show they were high integrity? Like, like what? What's the algorithm for a client? Well, <laughs> I, I notice that my clients usually come by recommendation. So I would, mm-hmm. if I were looking for a hypnotist, I would a look for someone who's a certified hypnotist who has a bunch of training, so I can see that they really know what they're doing. And then it's really that personal check-in of seeing, you know, do I vibe with that person? That's intuition comes in we know if someone is trustworthy or not Mm -hmm. and when we follow that it's it's easy to find the right people because they'll just show up um and then when you're in your intake or you're discussing with a hypnotist you know what your goals are and what your values are make sure that they really repeat back to you and have understood what 
you're going for because let's take an example like weight loss there's a lot of great weight loss um, hypnosis out there but the way that you want to lose weight or the way that you want to stay aligned with your healthiest self might be very different than the way that the hypnotist thinks you should so if you're not careful that hypnotist may install a program not that i'm saying this would be bad but it might not be what you want of saying okay you're now gonna i don't know go and run every day for an hour and yeah, in hypnosis, you can put that in so that person will feel the urge to run every single day. But is that really what you want? So I think that's where that due diligence and the discernment comes in to really also have your clarity yourself on what is it that I want to achieve. When you say you're a psychic psychologist, hmm. I mean, do people believe you? Because <laughs> you know, half the people who claim they're psychics might not be psychics, right? How, how, do you, how do you identify yourself as a psychic? Like, How do you know you're psychic? How I know I'm psychic is that I so often know things that I have no conscious perception of where I could know it from. How I know I'm psychic is that I so often know things that I have no conscious perception of where I could know it from. It's not my knowledge. It's not my wisdom. I just know. And over well, all these decades, right, nearly five decades on this planet, I figured out, you know, I was, I was so often, I was just right. But there was a part of me that wasn't listening to that because it seemed so unlikely. And then uh, the thing with intuition is it's just like a muscle that you train. The more often you trust it, the more often you go with it, the stronger it becomes. And then I started noticing that that veil, the sort of the doubt, the maybe, maybe not, um, started disappearing. And I just became clearer and clearer and that's that certainty and once we have that certainty we also have that confidence and that clarity to to receive message messages from the divine from our highest intelligence which everybody can do by the way everybody everyone so can do that everybody right. can is intuitive it's just a matter of training and then the more you train your intuitive powers the more psychic you become and that literally just means that you have opened up all four channels actually more than that but the main four channels of information so you've opened up your visual channel you've opened up your auditory channel you've opened up your kinesthetic channel and your auditory digital channel so that conversation in your head and once those four channels are open it's more a question of again discernment and choice to say okay do i want to know now because very often when with people, like say you're in a crowd of people, do you really want to know everybody's story there? Do you want to know their past lives? I don't. So I had to more learn to shut it off and say, okay, I only want to know when I need to know. And so I just have trained my brain to ask good questions and it'll give me the answers. So that's the psychic part. The psychology part is that I am and always have been fascinated how the brain works, how us humans work. I've always found us so interesting. Um, so the psychology part helped me understand how, how trauma is created, how, how brains function, how habits are created. And then putting those two together helped me help people see what they cannot see for themselves because we all have blind spots including myself um and if we have someone um working with us who's able to be that really clean mirror and has the added benefit of just knowing truth and that's kind of what the psychic part is is on the intuitive part is you you just know mm -hmm. then you can often or guide people to that truth and it's easier for them to see it themselves so again it's people don't come to me because i'm helping them they come to me because they learn how to help themselves and how to trust themselves and, and really become their own guru. And that's the part that I enjoy so much because it's so empowering. There are a lot of people who probably doubt that they can be taught to be psychic or to turn on intuition. I would have been one of those people if you took me back to when I was working in Silicon Valley, even though now that I know more about neuroscience and all the stuff that I do with, with 40 years of Zen, I recognized that what I was doing then, the innovative stuff I was doing was absolutely intuitive. And there are a lot of times where, well, no one knows the answer because it hasn't been invented yet. So it comes from somewhere and it's not just from thinking, it's from knowing and then thinking, right? That's right. We overvalue. We pay so much attention to the thinking and forget the knowing. So if someone came to you and said, I want you to hypnotize me to be psychic, could you do that? <laughs> I would, if it's a one session deal, I would, I would definitely take that expectation down and say, this is training. It could be, you know, I've often experienced that where if someone's ready 
and and their desire is so strong yeah it sometimes just takes that one unlocking but the good thing about when people come to me for sessions is I always record the sessions so worst case scenarios they always walk out with their own brain training because here's the thing our brain just needs to be trained so sometimes it can be it was already ready to just to come out mm-hmm. other times it can take up to 90 days to really be- make it a new habit to listen to that subtle energy listen to intuition and that's you know those 90 days of creating new habits that it can sometimes take where the brain training comes in that you can train your brain to have all those empowering to be aligned with that with that vision so it's got to be a desire and there's got to be some commitment to do the daily practice because it's not just a pill that you throw in and then suddenly you know everything because you wouldn't be able to handle it you see that the intuitive power and and the psychic abilities come with a great responsibility so if you have all this knowing but you're not doing anything with it you, you could actually end up worse off because you know that the air outside of the golden cage is rough so once you don't know, you don't know, you're oblivious, you're fine. But the moment you know you don't know, you're going to feel you want to do something about it. And the moment you know you know, then no more excuses. You can't blame anybody else. You can't, <laughs> you've got to own full responsibility of being that creator of your own life. And that's rough for people. Some are not ready for that. So it's a progress. Well, I'm hopeful that most of the audience here, given that definition of biohacking is do stuff to control your own biology, that you're probably here for that. And if you're not here for that, well, welcome, because now you are. So there. (laughs) Did I just hypnotize them into believing? We definitely gave them a very powerful suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that. So yes, I'm going to add on to that suggestion. Not only are you incredibly intuitive and can you learn to enhance that more, but it's also going to give you something in life that you might not expect. And that is a sense of joy. So if I look at the, you know, the rates of depression and and all that stuff going on that's skyrocketing, it's hardly surprising because I feel we've all been so disconnected from intuition. And when we're not connected to our intuition, it's very hard to be happy. And once we are connected, it's much easier it's a natural state. All right, Joy. You told people to connect to Joy. Was that like a total subliminal? Like, <laughs> go to joymartina.com <laughs> right joy is the right essence, now. not Joy is the person. <laughs> but you may use me as a symbol for that Joy. That's totally okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. The, the way I see all this is that I don't think everyone's psychic. I really don't. They're not using their psychic abilities. I will definitely agree with you there. I I would say all of the information, all that stuff is out there, but we just don't notice it, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just, it's an unawareness thing. Like you haven't turned on all of your senses or you've learned to filter out a bunch of stuff that was actually useful. Or you haven't even become aware of who you are. Oh, that's interesting. I don't even know about that. So the, the way I have seen also connecting the dots looking back uh, the steps that I believe are the easiest and the best and the safest to take, to take if you are interested in really super blasting your extrasensory perception is to, number one, first create that awareness for yourself. Of who you are. Of who you what are. What does that even mean? Well, exactly. What exactly does that mean? And then people will start <laughs> coming up, yeah, well, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a boss, I'm a this, I'm a that. And I say, yeah, those are all the roles. And what else? What else? What else? So becoming aware of yourself, your own emotions, your triggers, your mm. th- all those habits, th- this that's the first step. Because you see, we also, I'm sure, all know psychics and incredibly intuitive people who are very psychic, but useless at life. They, 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 they're very bad at keeping 3D together. They usually have money issues. They have health problems. So they're not using their psychic powers to actually really help themselves. And that's step one. We have to, you know, use it and, and walk that talk before we can start going out and spreading messages for others. At least that's how I see it. Mm. I like that. So there's a bunch of dysfunctional psychics out there? For sure. <laughs> There's also a bunch of dysfunctional non-psychics. So, I and, and, and here again, because I'm, I'm sure many of in, in our audience have been to some kind of psychic weird thing and felt good about it. And I should think some of us have been somewhere and thought, oh my goodness, this gives me the goosebumps, gives me the creeps I want to run out. And maybe you didn't run out. And, and, and you see, in those moments, we've just got to know we're highly susceptible. We've showed up, we want to receive a message and whatever that person's going to say, we have a choice, are we going to take it in or not? So I still remember sometimes when I was at sort of stuff like that and I should have left. 
And so anybody listening now, if you feel it in your body that this is a no and you know when it's a no, then go. Say, thank you so much. I'm leaving. And that's enough. Goodbye. (laughs) But don't Mm -hmm. feel you have to stick things out because that's just how you do it. When your body is reacting, that's, that's a big alarm sign. So that kinesthetic channel as humans in a body, we all have. But I think that with everything that's been happening these last decades on this planet, we're often disconnected from that. We numb ourselves out. We don't feel the body. Some of us are even scared of feeling the body. So that's all part of step one, becoming one with that unit that you are before you start connecting out with 5D. Mm, I like that. In Silicon Valley, the VCs with the best track record, uh, they do the thinking and then they check their gut. And if they line up, they invest. Mm. And if they do the thinking, and then their gut says no, they don't invest. But if their gut says yes, and the thinking says no, sometimes they invest anyway, and they make a lot of money. But that, in fact, I, I've, I've heard it said that it takes at least $10 million to make a good VC. They have to lose $10 million <laughs> in deals before they could do it. And that was actually in probably 1990s dollars. And since the government inflated our currency today, that would be closer to probably $40 million. Yes, they stole well at least half of your money over the last 20 years. So any of you noticing that you could also have something else, you could, I reject that. I'm going to be that VC who learns with $1 mm-hmm. million. So, right? You, you could, and some do. <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing that up, though, Tell me. is that I think that that's the cost of them seeing what happens when they ignore their gut and go just their thinking. Mm. And that they basically have to feel the pain of that decision going, oh. And if you feel the pain of ignoring your gut because your brain told you to do something enough times, eventually you realize, huh, maybe my gut was telling me something. So that's that whole thing of learning. I used to be very wired into that too until I decided, nope, it's not what I want to do anymore. I can through learn through pain. I was will. And I could learn through joyful and pleasurable experiences too. Okay. You have to tell me more about that because everyone listening has learned through pain. Well, that's the conditioning. It's called learning to walk. Like, oh, when I don't do it right, I fall over and and then I cry. Well, but there, I'll give you one example there. My Mm -hmm. daughter, Grace, my third kid, she was 10 months old when she, she hardly ever crawled, but she just stood up and she walked. She's now 12 years old. And I can say to this day, she has never, ever fallen. That's she didn't. crazy. So that But you named her too. Grace. That's cheating. Well, well, maybe that was it. <laughs> see, so what I'm saying is that everything is possible. And it's really so up to what we believe and what we are aligned with is what we're going to create. Okay, learn through pleasure instead of learning That's through pain That's my definite avoidance. suggestion. Okay, how do we do that? Because what I understand is that our pain avoidance wiring just in our hardware is quite strong. So how do we learn through well, pleasure? What's an example of that? I understand is that our pain avoidance wiring just in our hardware is quite strong. So how do we learn through pleasure? What's an example of that? Well, the example is that we take the wiring, like you say, we have a wiring that's wired to pain and learning through that. And then we create a new wiring in the brain because the brain is highly, you know, malleable. You can form it. And the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination. So you go and you create a mental image, but not only the image, you create a whole hologram in hypnosis of that reality. So I would take that person to the reality where they are experiencing a life where they're learning through pleasure. And they download all that information, rather like, you know, pressing the button download on on a computer. And we download all the resources, all the talents, all the thoughts, all the beliefs, all the feelings that are necessary to be aligned with that. And if that vision of the future, if that becomes stronger than, and it does, the more you connect to it, because that's where your energy will flow, that will become stronger than the other wiring. The other wiring will dissolve and you're running the new program because the other one is you're no longer using you could even go a step further in hypnosis and delete it, delete the memory out. But I am always careful with that because as you were also saying, those, those painful moments of the past were our learnings. So we want to let go of the pain, but we want to keep the learning and not just delete the whole event out, which is sometimes what we'd like to do with painful experience, isn't it? I'll just delete that. But then we'd miss the whole reason why we did it. Yeah, you have to learn your lesson. So you'll just do it again and again. So learn joyfully. Okay. Yeah. That is, uh, it, 
it's really, it, it's intriguing. Give me some more concrete. I mean, I, I like that. But so if you wanted to say, here's how to learn from pain is what your grandmother would tell you, put a rubber band around your wrist. Every time you do something that's a bad habit, you snap the rubber band and then the body will go, oh, I don't want to do that anymore because I don't like being snapped. Okay. So let's say you, you, give me the you, pleasure version of that. Yeah. So let's say you're integrating a new habit and the new habit, what would it be? Something like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to just... drink my danger coffee I'm going to drink, let's say I'm going to hydrate more, right? Let's say, let's say it's a simple goal. Uh, someone who has real trouble hydrating is setting out to hydrate more. Then the first yeah. step is to make the body and the mind and the brain align with that. So that's where I use tapping and kinesiology to test. Is the unconscious in agreement to do this now? Because, you know, that same person might have great benefits from not drinking enough, whatever that may be. So once the the client is congruent and it's a clear yes, this is what I want. I want to drink. Well, asking her, how much do you want to drink every day? And they'll say, okay, I want to drink three liters of water a day. So then I will take that person to that reality. They will do it in their minds, basically, to that. We're in a quantum multiverse, so we can imagine anything. We go there and we say, okay, so now let's imagine we're in that moment, that specific most appropriate moment where you're so well hydrated. Imagine how you would feel. And they say, oh, I feel, I feel so much energy. I feel so happy. I, I, I feel I've, I've got all the power that I need. And I say, okay, now tune into your skin. What does that look like? Oh, it's all plump and rosy and oh and look at your hair oh that's all you know you go through all the things so they get all the full sensory download until that is so strong that you can literally see them vibrating on the couch it's like yes i want this and i say okay now bring it back use hypnotic suggestions nlp all my tricks right to bring it in the brain as the new download now when they come back out of the session that is their new reality that is what they're tuned into but of course they're going to go back into life and then all these things will happen so they're going to need something to re-anchor themselves to that moment because that's the practice it's like also Joe Dispenza says you've got to do the work you've got to sit down in silence and connect and do that so what they need to do throughout the day is notice when they are going out of connection when they're getting stressed when they're falling back into old habits and do a pattern interrupt and that's where the rubber band thing comes in but what if instead of a rubber band you did something that actually gives you pleasure so that could be something like taking a couple of nice deep breaths thinking of i don't know smelling some great aroma and essential oil that gives like an anchoring an anchoring you just need some other anchor i like using tapping for that or i'll give my clients the instruction to go self-pleasure twice a day anchor the pleasure rather than the pain can i sign up twice you, absolutely you can you can go and i say if you want to go the rocket fast way do it three times a day but you know you, you want to increase the amount of of good vibes that you're creating and you want to realize that you can do those yourself you don't need anybody else for that so you really tell your clients that i'd really tell my clients that and then if they're really good clients i'll say you know what if you're really committed i will pocket coach you for 10 days and for 10 days every single time you give yourself pleasure you're going to send me a little emoji <laughs> And they do. And you can choose the emoji. And it's hysterical what happens. So I get all these emojis from my clients. And I'm like, yeah, just feel that pleasure. And their life changes. So you're just giving them permission, basically, to do that. I'm giving them the command to. Oh. And that's where, you know, I'm, yes, using that position as a hypnotist. Because that person has surrendered. They say, please help me. Right? I'm giving you the scepter. I'm giving you the command. Instruct my brain. And the moment they give me that, of course, I'm going to instruct it the best way possible. And I'll give the suggestion. You enjoy these moments of time for yourself. And suddenly they do. And then within the shortest time, usually after 10 days, they'll notice a big, big shift. But after 90 days, I'll ask, so how's that new habit? And they say, what habit? Oh, of course I do that every day. It's part of their identity. And then when it becomes part of our identity, we naturally draw it in. It's just, it's physics. It's a law of resonance. How many of your clients are men versus women? It used to be, I'd say, 80% women and 20% men. But in the last year, I've noticed it's becoming 50-50. It's really fascinating because yeah. men are waking up. It's really nice to see. So are you telling men and women to go self-pleasure twice a day? To give themselves pleasure. If that is appropriate, some do it automatically. But especially for people who are very depressed, oh, okay. low so energy, stuck in a rut self-worth or issues. Because that could also be depleting, at least for men. Well, I'm not saying, you know, go ejaculate every time. Okay, I'm so saying just, give yourself pleasure so that you, you are at least for those, I don't know, 10 minutes a day, you're okay. vibing high you're, and you're feeling love for yourself and you're grateful because that's what's going to create more good. Okay. 
So there are people who would call that like sex magic and things like that. Like there's various mystics and other spiritual teachers, actually a lot of um, TCM, the really old teachings, uh, and some um, from India as well, some of the yogic and tantric and Taoism and all of that. So you're using some of that energetics as part of your practice. Well, I, I'm, I think I'm just teaching people how to use energy, become aware of the energy that they have, that they are, and, and use it intentionally, consciously. Because sexual energy is just a very strong energy, but it's energy, and it depends what you do with it. You can be highly destructive with it, or you can be vi- highly creative and, and, you know, create good with it. Um, so energy is just energy. I, I love the way you're saying that. In the, the world of biohacking, I talk about uh, the four F words, and there's this is what all life does in order. There's fear, which is run away from, kill, or hide from scary things. Uh, and you put tons of energy in that. That's the the pain avoidance stuff we talked about. That's gets about ten times more energy than a normal thing, which is because if a tiger eats you, it's over. And then you have food. Eat eat everything. That's what all life does because you might not have food later, and you'll do that um, before you even think about it because it's your body deciding to do that, not your mind. Yeah, and it's even below the animal. It's the it's like the the cellular. The cells themselves do that, and then. Like even bacteria will follow these same rules. And then the third one, uh, so you have fear, you have food, and the third one is fertility. That's the kind F word. There's the other F word. But that's another major driver of all life on the planet. And all of these take energy, and they all take the same energy that comes from electrons, and we get it from food and all that. So if you don't waste it with needless fear and with being hungry all the time. Or being stuck in the past with all those traumas. Oh, there re- you go. Reliving yeah. them, right? That's well, what some of us do. As a psychologist, that would be your, you know, totally your thing, right? So that just burns up a ton of electricity that could go to like folding your DNA and making energy and doing good stuff in the world. So being willing and able to talk about the other F word in a practice is really cool and to do it in a clean way. Do you ever have patients like develop unhealthy attachments to you? No, but you know why? Because I give very clear suggestions and boundaries. And I'm very clear that I think that's the beauty of, I call it quantum hypnosis is because the person is coaching themselves. Mm. They're, they're tuning into the wisdom. It's not me giving them the answers. I'm coaxing them to that place so that they can find the answer just pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think I don't have these attachments because people will be thankful for the experience. Oh, you helped me do that. But they realize they did it themselves. And I will hone that in. Because, <laughs> they, I mean, they teach you that in psychology and psychiatry and therapy schools. Well, also like, yoga school. It's yeah, like, even yoga, right? right? It's a no-no. It's an, mm. And, and I, I honor that deeply. Maybe also because those boundaries were transgressed for myself often, mm. vice versa, where I was a student. And I felt that clear boundary between teacher and student was not kept. So that's why maybe I'm very particular about that. Well, <laughs> I, I'm assuming as a professional, you're not going to do that, but... I mean, clients aren't necessarily there. So I I would just, I know that every person I've ever talked to who practices Mm. any kind of therapy or frankly, even energy work deals with that. Sometimes like some patients or or clients um, are just like, whoa. Um, So I'm just wondering if the fact that you're talking about the other F word in Mm. your practice, but you put just very firm boundaries in place so Mm. it doesn't. It's it not a service I'm going to offer you. You do it oh, yourself. Of, of, of course not. <laughs> no, but right. I'll say it in that crude way, <laughs> okay. right? Nice. And then they'll laugh and say, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. So, okay. yeah, I think it's boundaries. And, you know, I've also seen also in my own practice, especially when I started, and I would just go with that energetic flow and really help them go into very, very, very deep states. Some of them, if they weren't ready for it, were unstable afterwards. So I had to then really work hard on stabilizing them, bringing them back and, you know, not go floating off. So I definitely had that experience of of someone just losing themselves in all that is. Mm. Mm. How do you bring someone back if they do that? Physical you know, movements, like I'll, I'll have them, you know, really tap their bodies, take really deep breaths, move, dance up and down, really ground, eat mm. a piece of chocolate, eat a piece of bacon. That also helps. It's just wow. really, you know, becoming back in 3D. So we have chocolate, we have bacon, mm-hmm. we have self-pleasuring. Mm-hmm. That's like the holy trifecta for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. everybody's getting hungry right now. No, only <laughs> if you're really hungry, eat. <laughs> All right, fair point. 
Now, oh, question for you. Hypnosis over Zoom mm -hmm. or even therapy over Zoom. Just make work? sure you Is have a good, good connection. That's okay. the only thing. A stable connection, very helpful. I did once have someone be in a deep state of hypnosis. My internet broke down and I was worried. I was like, oh my God. So I started phoning them and making sure that they came back. They did. People always come back from hypnosis. That's a common fear that people have is, oh my God, what's going to happen? Will I be gone? Will I just leave? Yeah. Um, no, you're always going to come back and you'll... 99.9% .9 of the times come back feeling a ton better than you did when you went into hypnosis because you were able to relax and that in itself is so healing. Um, no, you always come back, but with online sessions, I didn't think it was going to be the same, mm -hmm. but it is. The only thing that's missing is that I can't, I don't do hands-on healing or, you know, touch the person, which can be very helpful, especially if the body's holding a lot of tension. It can be good to touch the soles of the feet and help people come back yeah, into when, their bodies. When you hypnotized me, I think you had a hand on my heart or on my forehead or something. Mm. I, One of the two or both. I, it can be I really powerful in certain yeah, moments. It, it, it was good. It, whatever, whenever that time was, I could tell it made a difference. Mm. Right? And uh, uh, I'm sure people are now wondering, what the heck did you hypnotize me to do? Well, we connected you to your highest self. And I remember you right. we had a little dive into a past life just to see what resources and talents could be brought out more. Mm. That's another thing I love doing is just, you know, you're like fishing in the quantum field saying, where else is something useful? And then you bring it in. All right, past lives. We're going to talk about that. Let's do that. Uh, I've mentioned probably enough times that most people on the show may, maybe have heard it, um, that... I decided a while ago that I'm going to believe in reincarnation. And the reason for that is, well, A, I've seen plenty of that stuff from um, holotropic breathing during the 40 years of Zen, the, the deep uh, neurofeedback stuff during hypnosis, certain plant medicines, like, like so enough that I don't really question it. But on top of that, it's the only rational thing to believe. And the reason it's rational to believe in reincarnation is that if you approach life as if, okay, if I die, I get to restart the game and play again, you actually don't live in fear. <laughs> but if you're constantly afraid of dying because, oh my God, it's the end of the world, you'll be in fear all the time, which takes away a lot of your life. And here's the thing. If I'm wrong and there is no reincarnation, I'm not going to. Mm. So it doesn't matter. So the only rational thing you can do, if you can do truth tables and you study philosophy or you study computer science or any logic-based discipline, seriously, um, just decide, okay, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a video game. I get to do it again. Uh, and so that's my bias. It's a take on past Yeah, and, and the questions I'm going to ask, though, but there's a ton of people here who, and I'm going to represent them, saying, how do you know it's a past life, mm. not some hallucination? <laughs> What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave. For a seven-day free trial. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. How do you know it's a past life, mm. not some hallucination? Well, I would say experience it yourself, then you will know. That's all, because anybody can tell you anything. And if you want to believe it, you will. If you don't want to believe it, don't. And, and that's all fine. But the only way to really know is to have the experience yourself. Allow yourself to be hypnotized by someone who's able to do that and bring you into a past life. And the experience itself will prove it to you. You'll just recognize things and synchronicities will happen. And 
there'll be things that you cannot explain with your conscious mind, which makes sense because we're constantly trying to explain the quantum field, which is infinite with a little processor that's able to process 136 bits per second, right? That's our conscious mind. That's it. 126. Bruce Lipton brought that one out. Was that a Bruce Lipton thing? 126. Yeah, I I did some research writing my book, How to Use Your Intuition to Change Your Life. And that's kind of the number that most scientists can agree on. It's 126 pieces of information per second is what our conscious mind can do. But our unconscious mind can process over 11 million pieces per second. So it's a multi dimensional processor so but what we're trying to do with all these experiences past life quantum hypnosis or whatever is we're trying to fit the quantum field into a tiny box and that's hard so some of us find really good words for that and then some of us will resonate with those words and say oh yeah that's true but the only way to really know is be hypnotized have yourself connected and figure it out and it's like a it's like becoming a journalist of your own timeline And if we talk to quantum physicists, so my dad's a physicist, and it's fun to talk to scientists about this, they'll tell you, yeah, time is an invention, time is actually an illusion, space is an an illusion, so in a quantum field, there are infinite timelines. It doesn't make sense that we are so, I don't know, so arrogant to believe this one little version of me, one time. No, they're the gazillion versions of you, and it really is the question of what do you want to tune into? Who who are you going to identify with? Because we can all be an asshole. I'm very skilled at that. We can also, you know, we all have the ability to to be a victim for a day too. We have the ability to be a saint for a day or an hour. So we have all these different roles. Where's that coming from? And then how do you explain phenomena like young children, uh, age three, knowing things that they cannot know, recognizing items out of different lives where then other psychics tell them, yeah, you had a past life there. So there's been so much research on this. I mean, look at Dolores Cannon. She wrote, I don't know how many, 20, 30 books, just hypnotizing actually traumatized soldiers and and taking them through past lives. And they not only experienced healing, but they were able to recover and uncover hidden talents. And that's where it gets fun. So I'd say the difference between a normal psychologist or normal hypnotist and the stuff that I do, and I'm sure there are other people like me who do this, is that we are aiming to come from the highest good of that person, meaning that there's no box for that. When you as a client come to me and say, okay, and I ask you, well, what is it that you desire? What is that lifestyle? Describe it to me. And whatever they say, if that is their desire and I can help them make that happen, that's what we'll go for. I'm not there to limit it because otherwise, you know, the hypnotist, the psychologist that you're working with will, without wanting to give you their paradigms. So the Mm-hmm. That's where the limitation comes in. And I love the idea of connecting to all that is, the highest potential, and allowing that to guide the person rather than my limited self. Okay, so you're tapping in. What, what you did with me, to the extent I remember it, sort of like what kind of asking me what the answer was, but it wasn't the normal part of my brain answering, which is cool. And your voice changes too. I did it? Yeah. So that you, especially you'll listen when you hear the recording, you'll, you'll hear that the, the, it just sounds different. You might hmm. say similar things, but you wouldn't have said it like that. And it becomes really fun when you're um, connecting people who are maybe going through a big challenge and conflict in life. And then you say, okay, so tell me more about this person this person is in conflict with. And they'll say, oh, well, you know her. She's just so stubborn. She just doesn't want to understand. that." The-. So, you know, the highest self is often very confronting. Like confronting uh, of the person's of the normal person self. saying, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> just them, right? <laughs> they can be very funny conversations. Wow. wow. Okay. I'll have to re-listen to mine and see whatever mm. else I said, because I don't know that it, it all is present in my consciousness, even though we did it right before we recorded We this. did. But isn't it interesting how also time felt so different then? Would you know how long that session was if you now look back at it? 33 minutes. So very often when people <laughs> come... because you saw it, I know. <laughs> when you ask people, say, okay, come out, and how do you feel, and how long do you think this was? They'll either say, like, I don't know, four hours or four minutes. I would have guessed an hour, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So time just stretches when we relax, which is the reason why meditation creates time and hypnosis also creates space. How many sessions does a typical client schedule with you for hypnosis? Like, is this an ongoing thing? Like once a month, once a week? Is it like 10 of them and then like they're hypnotized to become supermen? It depends what they want. Okay. So people usually come to me either if, when they're in a big moment of crisis 
they just nothing's working and I'm like their last resort um, then we'll definitely do one big session to get them connected depending on how much trauma is there that'll you know be more or less powerful for them um, I used to just do one sessions and that's it because I gave I felt that's the biggest transformation I can give you and now go on your way and then I noticed that some people would like to have that whole process of walking through a difficult time in life so then the second group of people I will have are people who are about to create or would like to create a big change in their life. They know they're setting out to a new project, business, marriage or whatever, and they want some guidance for like three to six months. Okay. And then there are people who are saying, okay, I've got this big badass goal. I, I don't know, I want to triple my revenue. I used to work with a lot of Chinese clients where it was all about money. Okay, I, I want to just have more money on that. And there I'd work for about a year with them. But okay. my promise is always that one session will be bring you tangible change and I will give you the tools and the instructions so you can continue helping yourself. Because my aim is not to have a flock of people who are dependent on me, but I'd like to have lots of ambassadors who have integrated that so much in themselves that they can spread it with others. Okay. And, and that's the same whether it's over a remote connection or whether it's in person? Yes. Okay. Wow. That's impressive. What's the most common misperception about hypnosis? <laughs> that you will not remember anything. You don't know what you're saying. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, I'm making this all up. Number three is, oh, I didn't relax at all, but they were out. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Oh, that's funny. I've had, this is interesting, mostly men. I've had uh, a couple of men, especially when I started being a hypnotist, who would say, it didn't work, nothing worked. And I would actually take a picture of them completely passed out in the chair. And I said, well, look at yourself. Would you say that's how you would normally lie? And they say, oh, maybe not. So it's way more natural than we think, because you see, we go into various states of hypnosis naturally throughout the day. Some of us go into deep states of hypnosis when we drive a car, you know, it's so monotonous. Um, I used to do that. Or watching TV. That's why it's mm. so dangerous because you see, you don't know what you're feeding your unconscious mind with when you're dozing by the sofa. You're in hypnosis. One of the things that we talked about earlier in the show was around everything is out there already. You just have to notice it. You have to tune it. Yeah. And there are. <coughs> there are processes happening inside of you that are there to make you forget good stuff hmm. to keep you safe and I, I see this a lot at 40 years of zen like, like someone will have a breakthrough probably similar to what would happen with hypnosis and then they just forget it five minutes later like you just you know they go back into the old programming yeah. yes yes what caused that? I, mean, I have my theories about it, but why do you think people forget what they just learned well they don't forget it but they just remember the old pattern stronger Oh, okay. okay. So um, I like asking at the end. So say someone said, um, I, I want to let go of this pain. It'll be a pain hypnosis. And I say, okay, so how do you feel right now after the session? Oh, I feel amazing. I feel so good. I feel so light. But what if it comes back? Right? And I say, okay, notice what you're doing. It's just helpful. So it's really, there's where the diligence and the dedication comes in to just, just stop it. So yeah, you don't do it on purpose. You don't but you do it habitually. So it's breaking that pattern and, and getting your friends and environment to make you aware of it. Oh, so works. how often are you reaffirming what you don't want? How often are you saying, oh, but this is toxic, but this is not good for me, but I have troubles with this. Is that true? Just say, is mm -hmm. that really true? Or could this mean something else? I'm, I'm still stuck on that, that idea that people forget these things and your idea that, okay, you're just remembering one thing stronger than another but the guys who were saying I wasn't hypnotized, what I think we we do is is we create our own picture of reality, and it's entirely different for each one of us. We just think it's it a the other person sees we do, and that once we create that, anything that doesn't match that, we automatically discard it because it doesn't match reality, so it can't be real. If and, we have resistance, so that's yeah. where there's if there's a, a conflict between the conscious and the unconscious. So if the unconscious is actually getting a benefit from staying stuck in this old pattern, then the unconscious needs, for instance, in hypnosis to be talked to and say, listen, we're a team. So I'll give you an example. I had a client who was suffering from breast cancer 
Um, and she was 55, had four kids, and everything in her consciously wanted to heal. The right? So she'd been everywhere, done everything. She ends up with me, and my job was to get a congruent with healing. And the way that I test congruency or incongruency is muscle tests. So I'll say, okay, I want to heal. I want to heal now. I deserve to heal. And we did all that, and she was just not congruent. Um, and then we dug deeper and then we found out that she was actually receiving a lot of benefits from being sick because mm. this was the very first time in her life that she actually could be cared for, that her family was really rallying around her. She could, yeah, chill, not have to work all day. And, you know, so that was the benefit. And the moment that she could see that that was the unconscious sabotage that was really stopping her body from stepping back into self-healing, it all shifted. But of course, it then took also the work that she was able to give herself that, that she was actually demanding from the outside. So it was a lot about talking boundaries, saying no, and yeah, self-pleasure too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw it, you were going to ask that. <laughs> I was not. Your intuition was off. I wasn't even thinking uh-huh, that, I promise. Uh-huh. <laughs> so can you read minds too? If I choose to, and if the other one wants it. So what am I thinking right now? Are you choosing to now? Choosing to, yeah, I'll allow you Are you, you going to send mind. me something? Uh, just tell me what I'm thinking. Okay, I'm thinking that you feel really grateful and excited about all the, the new opportunities that are turning up in your life to, I don't know, open up your potential. That's <laughs> what I'm feeling. That you're, you're sensing all this, ooh, there's so much good coming in. Uh, I like that. Uh, I did put you on the spot, and uh, that would probably be very difficult to do. So, but did you think uh, of something specific? I, I thought it was a good dodge. You know. What did what, what did you think of? <laughs> what did you uh, think of? I actually wasn't thinking of anything. Well, there you go. That's why I, I could only pick up I was up just that observing sense. you, and I was just curious about what you would say, but what there I'm, was no, like, I'm thinking of a dog. I didn't do anything. Well, the, most, the easiest way to test that would be if I asked you to think of a number mm-hmm. or a color. So it's got to be something specific. If you're not thinking of anything, okay. all I'll pick up is that kind of... Okay, so if I Beautiful thought of a energy. number from 1 to 10, you could more often than, what, 10% of the time? And, and you could too. So what we would okay. do is we would go into that state of neutrality where there's no attachment. So doing this on a show without knowing about it and the, would put, not in me on the spot, but it would, not, it would make me feel very attached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I would have to first work on that, that I don't right. give a rat's tail, mm-hmm. whether I'm right or wrong. And that's, and that's the same with intuition. The moment we're emotionally attached to something, but I want this to work. I, I want path A to be the thing. We're no longer neutral. And then intuition will have a hard time in showing us an even better way. So neutrality and detachment is, is very important to be able to be really spot on. Well, I have a, a story I never talked about, about that that matches exactly what you said. Um, years and years and years ago, when I was first learning some really deep meditation stuff, 15 years ago or something um, I had a place in like Tahoe and I'd spent like two hours meditating and using this light therapy thing um, that was the very early days of light therapy I'm like all right and then I said I'm just gonna come up with a number and go to the casino I don't even know what game I'm gonna play and I was probably figuring it was gonna be blackjack for some reason but I I think the number was 42 but somewhere around there whatever and I walk into the casino and I'm like, I'm going to spend 300 bucks. Like, and I can lose it or win it, but completely detached from it. Like, this is, I'm just curious. And so I went in and just like none of the games felt right. And I walked past a electronic, um, like a digital version of uh, roulette, right? Which is purely a game of chance, right? And I didn't even know how the electronic interface works. I only played real roulette before and I'm not even that much of a gambler. I just like to count cards because it's fun. And, uh, so I just walked in and I put five bucks on that number. And if I'd had 10 more seconds, I would put all the money on that number, just whatever. But I was really not attached to the outcome. And sure enough, the guy pulls, pushes the button, does whatever it does. And the number comes up and the pit boss looks at me like, how the hell did you do that? Because there's one bet on the number and it paid whatever you get on that, some large amount. Quite to a lot. Yeah. And then I said, oh, thanks. I took the money and I left. And after that, I didn't want to gamble anymore. I still don't give two shits about gambling because of that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it shows, right? So when, you, when yeah. you're completely neutral and detached, you, it, these sort of things happen. Absolutely. I, have, I had a client who was a professional poker player, and he used oh, quantum so. hypnosis to connect to you know, famous poker players and psychics so that he would enhance his skills, which is rather like Rakoff did the... Mm-hmm. 
um, psychologist who was training the students, the music students, to download, you know, a role model of music, and they all, you know, improved their skills dramatically. So, yeah, it's really fun to have practical applications for the knowledge that you're getting through, and that's what I prefer doing, because I think there are a lot of, um, might be judgmental here, but a lot of channels out there channeling a lot of love and light and angels, but there's no practical help or there's no, you know, there's nothing that, or it's hard to put into 3D. So I like making it very tangible and useful and measurable. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the big thing. All right, measurable. Do people measure changes in their heart rate variability, body temperature, some other stuff? Like, mm-hmm. How do you measure it? How they measure it afterwards, I would say. They, I ask them to measure the changes they're noticing. So the biggest changes are usually an improvement in sleep, okay. an improvement in the ability to handle stress. They say they're less triggered. They'll notice the trigger, but they won't react to it that strongly right. anymore. Um, they measure it in the ability to, to believe in themselves. It's a, a, a sense of confidence. They just okay. feel calmer and you know more relaxed. Okay. And you can quantify even the, the sleep. And I see that a lot in people when they do healing, they sleep better. And you can definitely measure increases in intuition with brainwaves. So an intuitive brain or a meditator's brain uh, looks different mm-hmm. electrically. And funny enough, meditators usually are better at intuition anyway. Mm. Like Joe Dispenza has actually quantified that probably better than That's anyone. right. I like quantifying it also in um, the money they make, especially if they're business people, in revenue. So my first Chinese client was a lady who had a chicken fat factory in China. Very gross. And she came into hypnosis coaching because she wanted to find a man. So she was on the search for a soulmate. And in our work, we worked for a year together. Um, She at the end actually decided she doesn't really want that primary partner. She's actually having a lot of fun. But the quickest thing that changes was she tripled her revenue in the first three months. Wow. And this was although I was not working on her business at all because that wasn't the goal, nor am I, you know, a, a business coach I help people become happier so business is not really the main focus but it tripled and it just shows that once we once we're aligned and we're, we're really living our potential everything is going to be upgraded yeah when people are locked up sexually everything in their life is well the creative power is gone yeah right? it's out. that's why it's in order those f words it seems to matter okay well there's a fourth f word that I didn't mention before that's maybe makes the world less bleak um, we have fear, food, and the other F word, right? <laughs> Fertility, right? <laughs> and uh, we also have friend. And that's, we're wired in our cells. All life does is to support life and to support our own species. And that's why you get, you know, slime molds work together and, you know, bacteria make yogurt and zebra make a herd and humans make tribes and communities and we support each other and we take care of other people's kids in the street you'll probably stop and get them out of the street unless you're like a sociopath which leads me to what's up with sociopaths why do we have them (laughs) i think we have them as fantastic trainers they teach us to really test our trust in self and to yeah, keep us aligned with what we really want what values we have as humanity i think we need people like that you're making me sad. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say we needed them for target practice. Well, I think that might be more your thing. But you could target them and then all the light workers could start blessing them and show them that life could be much more fun if they actually led their, with their hearts, which is what I want to circle back to, if you don't mind. Because remember how you said that those who were investors who thought of it in their brain and then acted on their gut were most successful? Mm-hmm. The part that I'm missing there is the center, and that would be the heart. Mm-hmm. So if we say we have three brains in the body, we have the brain brain, we have the heart brain, and we have the gut brain, then what Heart Math Institute has found out is mm-hmm. that the wiring is so important. So we yeah. want to let the heart lead, the brain comes up with a strategy, the heart approves of the strategy, and then we go into the gut brain and find that action and that passion to actually take action steps, the courage. It, it takes a certain amount of of awareness mm-hmm. and interest to feel the difference between your heart and your gut. Absolutely. And especially amongst highly intellectual alpha male venture capital types, 
I'm guessing that the small percentage of them who even recognize the gut feeling exists probably haven't discerned the difference between a heart and a gut back when they did this data anyway. By the way, meditation has taken off in Silicon Valley. Neurofeedback has taken off. There's there's more awareness there. Like Tim Chang, who's been on the show, I've known for like 25 years, um, runs a large fund and it's, it's very interesting. It's like, yeah, meditate every day and I do this exercise and you eat this kind of food and as a side effect, he years ago when he was doing a bulletproof coffee and a bunch of other stuff, he was nominated as having best abs of any VC in Silicon Valley, which made both of us laugh. But he's a very conscious VC, hmm. and I see a big difference. Like the whole industry has shifted, and maybe nice. now, if they were to run that same survey they did twenty years ago, it would actually be heart versus gut. I I do know some people who are heart centric investors, but that's much different than I had a gut feeling it was going to work. Yeah, the, the thing about the gut feeling is that we can often just confuse it with emotions. And I think mm-hmm. if we look at maybe an alpha male who is maybe not that tuned into his bandwidth of emotional possibility, then the heart often already feels like, oh, that's just all the emotions. But the heart is is more than that. The heart is more that love that you have for yourself and not necessarily always for others. So it's it's self-love. And the gut will often bring up emotional triggers where we can say just because something feels good doesn't mean it is good. And just because something feels scary doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. So mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes where we can get confused. And you're right, that's where the awareness comes in that I'm, I'm able to notice and self-regulate. So I'm not coming from an emotionally charged, attached position, but from a, a grounded, neutral state. Okay, I like it. You talked about past lives mm. openly, which is cool. And so we're in alignment that that's a, a real it's thing. It's a thing. Um, in a conversation, I think when I did the podcast with Rick Rubin, the, the well-known music producer and just very interesting, uh, he, he talked about, I actually asked him, I said, I watched him like a, a radar dish one time. I'd mentioned a, a certain kind of music that I'd heard and like it was like all of the fibers of his being like locked onto it, like like to see if that was something. And then they're like, no, and then just went on. Uh, and it, it was very tangible. And I mentioned it on the podcast with him and he just looked at me and he said, he said something along the lines of let's not, um, let's not mince words or something like that. Dave, you do the same thing, but for biohacking where you just look at it and you just know and it's that just knowing that I would correlate with mastery, right? Because when you just know every bit of something, then you, you can, no longer need to rationalize it. You yeah. don't need to analyze. What's much faster? And you, I, actually, I feel that like, you feel it in your heart actually before you feel it in your gut or in your mind. That's true. So, so do you think the heart is a more important mind than the actual brain? Well, the heart itself has way more energy electrically and and magnetically. Does it? Yes. Magnetically it does. Yes. But also I, electrically. I calorie consumption was first in the brain, it second in the heart. It creates and produces more of stronger energy field than the brain. It does make so. a bigger electrical field or a bigger magnetic field. Yeah, okay. That's the heart math stuff that they talk about. Yeah, okay. So we'll let, heart, we'll let the heart lead. Mainly because if we let the brain lead, you're literally effed because <laughs> the brain will give you any story. We'll think about it. Yeah, it'll be, you'll be so fertile, <laughs> right? It'll just do whatever it wants. It'll just, it'll go off on, I don't know, journeys. Because, I mean, think about yeah. it. Our brain will give us any story, any variation. And how do you know which, which is the right one? How? You, you don't. And hmm. the other problem with the brain is it's just not a real-time system. <laughs> and yes, I'm sounding like a, a nerd now, but a real-time system is one that responds very, very close to when something happens in reality. But our conscious brains are about a third of a second delayed from when something happens before electricity hits. And by the time we can think about it, it's a half a second or a second. So we will lift our arm before we've thought of the thought of yeah. lifting our arm. And that science is proven again and again too. So what is that? Yeah, well, and that that is what we can connect to very easily in hypnosis. If I we have the clear that. intention to do so. It, it's basically programming the meat to behave itself before you can think about it. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that a good description? Sort of, I guess. Okay, that's how I think about it. Could be wrong. But a lot of the, even heart rate variability... Um, neurofeedback and other technologies, any biofeedback technology, in my experience, is all about teaching the meat to do something it didn't know how to do without your brain. Even uh, 
like the the most rudimentary biofeedback, one of the first ones I started with 25 years ago, you put a temperature sensor on the end of your finger. And by doing something that first you try to think it and it won't move, and then you realize, oh, there's another like knob or dial somewhere in your body, like, oh, I can move that. And then you can change the temperature of your hand or your finger by a few degrees at will. Mm-hmm. And then you go, wait, if that's possible, and I didn't know it was possible, what else is possible? And ever since then, I've been on this path of figuring out what are the faster and better ways to make to the that me- direct access. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want I want my body to do the right thing without me having to think about it. Mm-hmm. And the heart is faster than the brain. Probably the gut is too. I don't really know neurologically. Do you? I don't. Yeah, that's a weird question. Well, uh, yeah, the, but the, it takes about twenty minutes for the brain for the stomach to send the message to the brain that it's full. Oh yeah, that's a hormonal message, but there's an electrical message that goes through the vagal nerve that's going to be a lot faster. Yeah, I don't know whether, but I wonder if we listen to that. I don't know. Is the answer. Yeah, that, I think I direct if... access is always the best, and yeah. that's what I try to teach. Cool. Well, I think hypnosis is a, a foundational, and also trauma resolution with or without mm. it, which you also do, with or, with or without hypnosis, but hypnosis is a, a foundational technology for getting the body to act more in alignment with what the mind wants, assuming the mind wants That's right. sane stuff. And once you've experienced hypnosis once or twice, you, you'll find it much, much easier to meditate too because your brain is used to that state. Because mm. you see, like you were saying, you're, you're not your brain, you're not your body, you're the one watching the brain, watching the body. Okay. And, and that's what you're helping to, to bring out more, to give space to because you're, taking, you're relaxing the body so the body's okay. Then you're relaxing the brain, you're bringing it into deep theta waves so the brain can relax. And then you're talking to the one that's actually observing everything. And that is that that is. Cool. Are you going to tell me X number of times that I should listen to uh, the recording of the hypnosis you did for me? Is there like a standard three times or 10 times? Or well, I always say the more often, the quicker you'll go. And okay. the, um, the more that program will be integrated. Um, I suggest to go to sleep to it at night, to have it maybe in the morning to wake up to. Um, have it running in the background when you're doing something that doesn't really need your full attention. It's just just feed the brain with it over and over again. Because like in hypnosis, we can shock a brain into submission. We can bore it into submission, right? And by boring it, by constantly repeating, so repetition, repetition, it, it'll just take it in. It won't know the difference. And suddenly you're there in that moment saying, wow, this was quick. And I didn't even like know a, how. Like a social media algorithm, but better. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of like that. Just, just keep at it. Did you do some kind of weird NLP voice training? Because you have like the perfect hypnosis voice. Well, I started recording audios when I was seven years old oh. because um, we were living in Austria. And as a British native speaker, we were invited, my brother and I, as kids to record all the audios for the Austrian schools. So we sat in recording studios, recording all these audios for hours and hours and hours. And then when I got to school myself, I had to listen to myself in the classroom, <laughs> which I really disliked. And I actually really disliked my voice for decades and then did a lot of training to, to just like it. And I think it comes naturally to me because I'm a very auditory person and I'm very observant. So I just like noticing what the voice does and just finding that rhythm. It's not always the words. Of course, as an NLP practitioner, I pay great attention to the words. But it's really more about the vibration. It really mm. is, I've discovered, it's not just the skill. It's being in the right state. When I'm in a relaxed state, that emanates out and it helps my clients relax too. And then the voice so, is a natural, I think. But thank you. I yeah, received you're welcome. that. <laughs> uh, and it was a compliment. Uh, there is a vibration that goes into words. There's an intent that goes into words, even goes into physical products uh, from the founders. That's why, especially younger people, like, who's making that? Who are the people behind the company? Because you want to know. And I, I think it matters, too. It does. I don't like If to, it matters with the meats that we eat, it, of course, yeah. matters with everything else, too. Yeah, the words that you eat. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On that note, Joy, uh, thank you. What's your URL again? It's joymartina.com. J-O-Y-M-A-R-T-I-N-A.com. And guys, you want to try hypnosis? Um, I would fully endorse uh, what Joy does because she's 
she's good. And thanks for walking through all this stuff. And also thanks for just being open. Like, yes, I use intuition. I use you know, psychic powers and knowingness as a part of what you do with, with hypnotism. And I can see the difference between that. And if you are a healer and you're listening to this, and there are so many, just countless doctors and other types of healers who listen to the show, uh, and you know that you use intuition, it's okay to talk about it every now and then. And we need you to talk about this because that's how the world works. And if you hide it, you don't talk about it because you're afraid that they'll take your license or something, you can take a deep breath and relax. Albert Einstein said it's the highest form of intelligence. Yeah, it is the highest form of intelligence. So you can take a breath and relax. You're not going to say, you know, my guides told me to remove your appendix because, (laughs) well, then maybe you should hit the ayahuasca a little bit less. Um, But what you can do is, you know what? I don't know why, but I'm going to order that lab. And the very best MDs from the strictest, hardest disciplines who don't believe in past lives or anything else spiritual, they still do it if they're at the top of their field because that's how it works. And if you talk about it, maybe others will start paying attention to that as well. And the worst it was order a lab that wasn't necessary. And God knows that's like the business model for half the hospitals (laughs) out there. So you're just helping. (laughs) Thanks again, Joy. Guys, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, get hypnotized but not by social media, not by TV, uh, hopefully by someone who's exceptionally high integrity and who wants uh, your highest good. There you go. Well said. And yes, you can do it with joy, um, but I don't know. You have limited numbers of whatever's. I haven't multiplied myself yet, but I always trust that the right people show up at the right time. So can I hypnotize you to multiply yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening. See you guys soon. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.